0: Welcome to the Animal Welfare Junction. This is your host Dr. G and our music is written and produced by Mike Sullivan. Today we have a fun podcast episode. We're going to be talking about bunnies, all sorts of rabbit stuff and we have two great people from the Columbus House Rabbit Society. Danielle and Terry, welcome so much and thank you for being here. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having us. First to start, how about you guys
0: introduce yourselves and let people know what your background is and kind of what led you to where you're at today with the House Rabbit Society. Danielle, do you want to pick it off?
1: Sure. Um, I'm Danielle Patterson, and I'm the chapter manager for Columbus House Rabbit Society. And um, for me, I've always been I've always been interested in rabbits since like a very young age. I was drawn to them, I guess, out of all the animals. I got involved actually right before Columbus House Rabbit Society was actually formed. Um, I was reaching out, looking for um, help with a neighbor's rabbit that I was going to try and help with, and that's when I um, got in touch with the lady who started Columbus House Rabbit Society, Carolee Curry, and she's the one who helped guide me, like, this is where you should go and what you need to do, So, um, and that was well over 20 years ago.
0: So it's been a while yep. and you're doing a great job with it. I mean, it's a really good program. So welcome, Terry. How about you tell us about yourself? Hi, um, I'm Terry Cook
2: and I am the board president with Columbus House Rabbit Society. I started with rabbits in the 90s. We got a rabbit as our first pet as a couple and we couldn't have, we were in an apartment, couldn't have a dog. Um, my husband's allergic to cats and <laughs> we saw furry bunny we did all the things you're not supposed to do bought it on impulse at easter from a pet store (laughs) um uh, eventually he got sick and i went looking for help and that's how i found uh carolee and the precursor to the columbus house rabbit society back in the late 90s Uh, she started with hey you want to help fold some brochures (laughs) and i said yes and the rest is history
0: (laughs) excellent well, welcome. Uh, you know, like what you said. When I was young, when I was about probably like nine, ten years old, I kind of wanted a bunny. And you know, like we went to a pet store uh, at the mall, and I got a really small rabbit. And I think that it was just not old enough. So I got that bunny. It passed away. I had taken it to a veterinarian, and the veterinarian said, "I think this bunny is too young. Make sure that you get a bigger bunny." And then that bunny was a little bit bigger, same pet store. And then that bunny also passed away. And the veterinarian had done a stool sample and said, oh, it has parasites. So how about you don't get bunnies from that place anymore and get bunnies from another place? And going to this other place, it was kind of like this was in Puerto Rico. It was kind of like a tractor supply type place, but much more educated, right? So the people that were there... Told me about, hey, you're not supposed to just feed them pellets. You're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. So I ended up with a bunny that I was able to better care for because I was better educated. And that bunny, I actually it was two bunnies. Those two bunnies lived a um, longer, healthier life. So that's one of the things that I want to share with our listeners today is the dos and don'ts of having a bunny because a bunny is not a small dog or cat. They have their own needs. They have their their own differences. So we want to make sure that people make the right decision in getting a bunny for their family, and then also in maintaining it and caring for it as a long-term commitment. So let's start with kind of the simple things. So how about bunnies and their food? What kind of foods should they be eating regularly?
1: So I always like to say generally bunnies, um, their daily diet will consist of like three components. So number one, most important component of a rabbit's daily diet is going to be hay. So it's unlimited access to hay. They can eat as much of it any time of the day or night they want. So when we talk about hay, um, it's a grass hay. Usually the most popular grass hay will be Timothy hay. Um, There are others, you know, um, orchard, mountain grass, oat, brome, pretty much anything except alfalfa. So you don't want to feed alfalfa to um, like adult rabbits. Alfalfa is used like in very um, certain circumstances, like nursing mothers and, you know, very small babies. But anyone outside of that should not have alfalfa. hay. And what Um, is the
0: reason for not feeding them alfalfa?
1: Um, it's very high like in calories. Um, so they'll they'll gain weight um, too much weight pretty quickly on that. And then we'll say like the second component of their daily diet will be um, pellets. Um, and it's limited generally based on um, their their body weight. And generally about a quarter cup pellets, Um, Per like five to six pounds of rabbit weight is sufficient for them. You definitely want to limit the pellets to force them to kind of eat the hay because otherwise if you just give them all the pellets they want they'll probably fill up on pellets and not eat the hay. The hay is extremely important because it helps with their digestive system. It helps keeps things moving, but it's also good. It helps um, rabbits have to file down their teeth, so it helps keep their teeth filed as well. So limiting the pellets then that'll kind of force them to eat, you know, more hay. And then um, the third component of a rabbit's daily diet will, will be um, like salads or some veggies. Um, so it's like lettuces, like um, romaine lettuce, leaf lettuce, um, endive, um, escarole, um, herbs like um, cilantro. Um, some dandelion. Um, You just definitely want to stay away from vegetables that cause um, gas, you know, like broccoli or cabbage. Definitely stay away from those type of vegetables.
0: And aside from that, should they be eating any vitamins, taking any vitamins or anything like that? Or is that not necessary as long as they have a good complete diet?
1: As long as they have like a a nice rounded diet, you know, they can get the vitamins that they Generally, that they need from you know their hay and their pellets, and the and the pellets too. I forgot to mention we do recommend going with a Timothy based pellet as opposed to an alfalfa based pellet, and just a plain pellet. Like you don't need any seeds, treats, nuts, or anything like that mixed in with the pellets either. There are some companies like I know um, Oxbow um, and maybe Science Selective that will make kind of some vitamin treats like made with like some Timothy hay. So um, those are perfectly fine too.
0: What are things that people should stay away from giving bunnies that could be potentially toxic or harmful to them? One example that I can think of is I was doing surgery once on a bunny. And when I when I went to open the bunny up, it was very jaundiced, which it basically means that it's very yellow. And afterwards I asked the owner what the food that the bunny was eating and she was given the bunny dog food because the bunny loved to eat with the dogs and they, she thought that it was a bonding experience and she had no idea about it. So why is that not okay? And what are other things that may not be okay? Well, rabbits are vegans
2: to start with. So any sort of um, animal protein is not a natural food for them so like your cat food and your dog food i mean they're they're carnivores so it's just a whole different dietary system
1: i mean you you definitely obviously want to watch what they eat and just really keeping it kind of limited to like the, the hay, you know, their pellets, you know, you don't want to share like human food, especially anything processed with them, obviously for a treat, you know, you can give fruits as a treat. So meaning like a little slice of banana, you know, a little slice of apple, you know, or pear, um, a baby carrot, you know, but outside of, you know, that definitely nothing, you know, no meats, no human processed foods or or anything like that. So speaking of hay, some
0: people get hay and straw confused, right? So what is the difference between hay and straw and what is straw actually used for?
1: I guess I would say the Best way to, I would say, differentiate between straw and hay. Like straw is going to be like more yellow, very shiny. Whereas when you're talking about hay, it's a lot fresher, so it should be, you know, green. You want to think about hay, I guess, another way too, um, as a bulk item. So if you buy it like online, like from Chewy or Amazon, the more you buy it one time, the cheaper it is. So you don't want to purchase like a small little 16 ounce, you know, bag of hay for your rabbit. You know, they're going to go through quite a bit of it. So you want to think about it as a bulk item. So like Oxbow will sell um, like a 25 pound box of, you know, Timothy hay. And for a single rabbit, that is not too much or, you know, too much to buy at one time. As long as you don't get the hay wet, it, it will last like months and months like you'll be able to use all of it before it will you know it doesn't yeah, it go is. bad. so that's one thing i always like to tell people to um you know because the more you buy the cheaper it is and it's not going to perish
0: one of the things that i did with my bunnies that if i had another bunny i would not do is that they lived in a cage with the wire floor what are going to be the best ways to house a rabbit and then you know what kind of bedding they should have and litter boxes. So we have our bunnies housed in a four by four exercise pen
2: like you would use for a dog. It gives them plenty of space to move around on the you know floor space. It gives them the height. Uh, they're typically three feet high so they can fully stand up. Uh, there's no lid usually unless you have jumpers but there's plenty of room for them to stand up, move around, stretch out. We can put their litter box right inside that pen. We usually put some sort of vinyl flooring down to protect our our own floor and then maybe some rugs for traction for the bunnies but they can have their litter box their hay their food and water bowl you know whatever they've got to like hide in their little house or bed or something Um, their toys everything can be contained in that four by four pen and it makes it easy to sort of contain whatever Rabbits can be messy with their hay and their, you know, whatever, Um, but all that will be contained within that pen. And then you can let them out and have playtime in your rabbit-proofed, bunny-safe room. But all that sort of mess just sort of stays in that area. It also makes it easy to, if you've got something going on in your house or people coming in and out, it gives them a safe place to stay and not be
0: underfoot or be bothered by, you know, activity in the home. And what's going to be the best thing for people to put in their litter boxes? And how hard is it to get them trained to use a litter box? Rabbits are kind of like cats. They kind of take to it
2: naturally. Um, We use a wood stove pellet. It's like that pellet fuel for stoves that you buy at like TSU and Renards. The pet equivalent is equine pine. And the only difference is usually the price because it says equine. But it's, it's a pelleted, hard pelleted, kiln dried wood, and it absorbs the moisture and turns into sawdust basically. But we usually, I, I put newspapers on the bottom and then put a layer of the wood stove pellets and then put the hay right on top of it and the hay draws them in. They spend a lot of time in their litter box, nibbling the hay, grooming, hanging out, doing their business. A lot of them will pick one particular corner of the litter box to use as their bathroom. And then they have the other end of where they have their hay. So it's just sort of a multi-purpose
0: area. So, so as opposed to like with cats, uh, we try to keep their litter boxes really far away from their food and water. Bunnies are completely opposite. <laughs> <No>. they, they, <laughs> they don't have a problem with it at all.
2: Um, I know Because that
0: also brings me to the fact that bunnies eat their night poop. So, and a lot of people do not know about that. So, can you guys tell us what that is and why they do it? There you go, Danielle.
1: Oh, I get to talk about the the bunny poop, poop. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> So, rabbits have actually two kinds of, you know, poop. One, their fecal pellets, which are like the little round balls that you see. Um, and then they have the the other poop is called psychotropes or like their night poop. So not to intentionally gross anybody out, but usually they will eat their, their secotropes directly out of their anus. And it has very rich vitamins for them. So you normally won't even see the cecotropes, but, um, or their night pellets. But if you do, they're like usually very teeny tiny, and they're kind of like clustered, almost like in a little, like little grape, um, cluster and they're very soft and smushy and they're very smelly. So they look They look and smell completely different than their regular um, fecal pellets.
2: And a lot of times, if people are seeing a lot of those, it usually means there's something off in the diet, like they're overfeeding pellets, they're getting too much protein in their
0: diet, and so they might need to tweak some of their dietary habits. What is the one thing that people need to get used to or or plan ahead is that rabbits, as we mentioned, they are a long-term responsibility. So what is the average lifespan of a bunny?
2: Eight to 12 years is what we generally tell people. Um, I've had a 13-year-old, you know, just veterinary medicine has come so far from, you know, back in the 90s when I was searching for answers, you know, for my first rabbit. So many things are different now and there's just so much technology and so much more knowledge that rabbits are typically living longer, which is wonderful. but people just don't expect that. I think people think that rabbits are sort of like hamsters or guinea pigs or, you know, those other small animals that only live a couple of years and then surprise, you know, your kid is 10 years older and you still have the rabbit. And what are you going to do when they go to college? (laughs) People aren't prepared for that. So that's, that's the one thing we try to impress upon people is that it really is a long-term pet and you need to be aware that if you're getting a pet, you know, or a rabbit for your 10 year old, that when that child is 20, you might still have that rabbit.
0: Well, and we cannot expect little kids, especially to be the primary, have the primary responsibility of caring for any animal, but also in particularly a rabbit. I have a friend that recently her daughter had a birthday and some family members gifted the child a rabbit without talking to the parents. And thankfully The parents are responsible pet owners and they have two other rabbits. So they know how to deal with it. And you know, it it's not as bad as it could have been. But it was kind of like, oh, here's a cute little rabbit for your birthday without asking. So please, anybody listening out there, please do not gift rabbits without talking to people first and making sure that it is okay because it is not okay to gift life things, um, especially to other people.
2: (laughs) That plays into our Make My Chocolate campaign, um, which is mm-hmm. our Easter campaign, where we try to raise awareness about rabbits as gifts at Easter, because a lot of people associate you know, Easter bunnies and, you know, putting a cute bunny in a basket or having pictures taken with their kids and, you know, cute little baby bunnies. And then everybody wants baby bunnies and they don't really know what they're getting into. So we created the Make My Chocolate campaign to educate people on what it really means to take on a rabbit please don't give a live animal to somebody who is not prepared to take it on. It should be a family decision. It should be a family pet rather than an impulse or a gift.
0: And one one thing too is that rabbits are kind of delicate and some children may not be ready for handling a rabbit. What would you say to somebody that has small children that is interested in getting a rabbit as far as making sure that it is the right pet for their family and how to get kids used to dealing with rabbits
2: we've had plenty of people that have you know small kids and rabbits at the same time um it's a matter of teaching kids boundaries we had a friend that you know they had their four by four pen and that was Frankie's space and when i reached over the pen to pet frankie the three-year-old scolded me because that was Frankie's space and i did not ask permission amazing but, that's I mean, perfect <laughs> But i mean that's that's what you yeah it's a great way to do it you know just teach right. kids the boundaries a lot of times i would have kids when they came to my house they would sit on the floor in you know in a circle if there's enough of them or whatever and i put the rabbit in the middle and then the rabbit would go up to the kids you know they're they're as curious about the kids as the kids are about the rabbits um, so just sort of not, not so much handling and picking up, but being on the, the rabbit's level and interacting on the floor and not, not reaching and grabbing, but letting the rabbit come up to them. Uh, but I, I mean, I think it can be done,
0: obviously. Just resp- being responsible, having a, being responsible as a parent. Mm-hmm. Oh, and again, that's the same as with puppies and kittens as well, just sure. responsibility in general. So what are the things that People need to be prepared for as far as like grooming, nail trimming, those, those kind of things that rabbits may need to have done on a regular basis.
1: So for like nail trimming, I mean, we basically use, you know, cat nail clippers. So it's nothing special or anything like that. Um, And, you know, we'll use um, a pen light to help us um, see the quick, so you don't cut the quick. We'll use like the pen light to shine underneath the rabbit's nails. If they're white, it's usually pretty easy to see the quick as opposed to, you know, the darker nails, that's when um, the pen light can come in handy. And then as far as like for grooming, Like you can use like anything like soft um, brushes, nothing like with um, wool or steel, too harsh. A rabbit's skin is very delicate. So you just have to be careful with it. Um, But again, we would use two like cat combs, um, some of the bigger teeth cat combs you can use for rabbits.
0: Are rabbits good pets to have around other pets? Can rabbits coexist with cats and dogs?
1: Yeah rabbits can absolutely um, coexist with, you know, cats and dogs. Um, it'll depend on um, that particular rabbit and then that particular dog or cat, but it is not, I'll say it, it's not unheard of for, you know, rabbits to have, um, you know, a dog or cat friend, and sometimes they can be the one to rule the, the house as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, when we, when we used to bring, you know, the bunny sand for surgery, we were always really careful to try to keep the bunnies away from the cats because of the whole prey and and predator. And we've noticed that the bunnies could not care less about the cats that are around. And the cats don't really seem to be upset about it. Like they're not looking at them like they want to eat them. They're more curious more than anything. So I think that they have come generationally a very long way as well. Uh, So if somebody has a bunny and wants to bring another bunny into the home, what are gonna be the recommendations for acclimating them to each other?
2: What we usually do is we have, um, we'll have somebody bring their existing bunny in and then we'll have several bunnies for that bunny to meet. And we do like mini speed baits. Um, so we'll do, well, you know, it, all very supervised. We set up a pen and we're in there with the, with the rabbits and we'll introduce the two rabbits and set a timer for, you know, 10 minutes and just sort of very hands-on, see how they interact. A lot of bunnies will just sort of be curious and sort of go up and sniff the the other one. Um, On occasion, we've just had absolute disinterest. (laughs) We've had fur flying. What are you thinking putting this this rabbit in with me? Um, We've also had love at first sight. Love at first sight is extremely rare. And people who get it are very lucky. Typically, it's it's a process. And we once we find a rabbit that seems to be compatible, if the person decides to adopt, we tell them to set up two pens so that the rabbits can see each other, but have some sort of like a 2 before 4 or some sort of barrier so the pens can't be pushed together. So they can't touch noses and I've had bunnies nip the end of somebody else's nose and we've ended up with stitches. So we try to avoid those situations, just they can see each other, they can smell each other, um, get used to the seeing the movements of the other rabbit without actually interacting physically. Um, And then continue brief dates at home in a neutral space so that the bunny coming in is not entering a space that is the territory of the existing rabbit Um, rabbits are territorial by nature and a lot of them do not like sharing their space initially so but um, it's a process and some of those dates can be you know quick and sort of extend you know however long they will last we always tell people to end it on a positive note so that the next time they're together the, the initial memory isn't last time I saw you, I was fighting with you. I've done that before and it's a very long and painful process. So, um, but you know, usually, usually we can find a pretty good match to start with and set people up for success. Um, and if for some reason they get home and that rabbit is not working out with the, you know, the rabbit that they adopted, We are willing to work with them and try different rabbits. Sometimes people will bring in two rabbits that they've adopted on their own, and they just are at an impasse and need help, so we can
0: offer advice and that kind of thing. But that's sort of the process. Is there a benefit having, if you have a bunny of one particular sex, getting the same or a different? Is there any difference as far as the likelihood of aggression or compatibility? We usually say the female-female bonds are the hardest, just because,
2: you know, the girls are always the boss. <laughs> usually male-female is is the easiest, although we've had plenty of male-male pairs that are just, you know, it's a bromance, and they're just happy, you know, being bonds. But usually male-female pairs are the easiest to bond.
0: And you guys spay and neuter all your bunnies prior to adoption, Correct
1: yeah absolutely Uh, spaying and neutering rabbits is just as important as as spaying and neutering you know cats and dogs serves you know multiple purposes obviously helps with overpopulation you know rabbits are the third most surrendered animals into shelter right behind cats and dogs so it's population control and uh, with rabbits one of the true things you'll hear about them is you know breed like rabbits Yes, rabbits are meant to breed very easily well very quickly and um, large litters, Um, they can give birth, you know, every month to a litter so spaying and neutering with rabbits is extremely important for that reason. also like health wise um it, it's very beneficial for them so for females they're very susceptible to ovarian cancer as early as you know 2 years old and just as time goes by especially for the females their risk for getting ovarian cancer increases um so it's a health reason for that also you know it helps with litter box habits too once we spay or neuter a rabbit they really if they're not already, they will definitely hone in on their litter box, just going in the box using it very naturally to them. And spaying and neutering helps with the hormones as well. So it makes bonding much, well, I'll say definitely easier. Like before, or, like even if you wanted to try and bond same-sex rabbits, I mean, definitely everybody has to be spay or neutered before attempting bonding too. So there's, um, you know, different different reasons that we adopt uh, only spay or neutered rabbits and recommend rabbits getting spay and neutered as well. Yeah, and less
0: common, but recently we had a bunny that had a memory tumor that that is not a very common occurrence, but it can happen. And that is also something that can be prevented. And a few times we've had some uterine infections, also not super common, but that can be seen and that can be life-threatening. So what is the age that they can start having babies?
2: Females, usually after four months, we get really nervous um, if they're housed with males, because the males are viable at something crazy, like between eight and 12 weeks so as soon as as soon as they start acting hormonal or the testicles descend in males we need to to look at getting them fixed females typically we we say to wait six months just to make sure that they are fully grown physically and make it easier on the the vets to get in there and work but yeah they grow up fast
0: yeah yeah definitely from my perspective as a veterinarian the females it's so much easier for us and it's so much easier for them to get spayed at 6 months or later and it's just the size of the uterus in relation to the to the size of the bunny right the rabbit so the uterus is so small in a tiny baby rabbit that you end up having to make a huge incision to find it and there's just so much trauma and so much heat loss and so much more anesthesia time as opposed to when they're 6 months old everything is you know, they're, they're preparing to be able to have babies. So that uterus gets really large and it just comes out to the surface and it makes everything a lot easier. And you mentioned, Danielle, they have big litters. So what's the average litter size of a rabbit?
1: It can be anywhere like, I mean, from one, but then we, it can be like up to like, you know, 12, 13. Um, And usually the more litters they have, then the bigger they become the, they have more babies in as they have more litters too. So, yeah, I mean, it's not uncommon. We um, have picked up strays before and like, you know, they'll give birth two days later and it's like eight rabbits and it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah.
0: And you said that they can have um, like every month they can have a litter. It's are they like cats where it's during a season or can they do this all year round? It's all year round. <laughs> the fun never ends. This <laughs> fun never ends. So like eight to 12 babies a month for 12 months. So y'all can do the math and that's a lot of rabbits. <laughs> um, so one thing that separates the males and the females is going to be the tissue around the neck. And a lot of people don't understand what that is and how that pertains to males and females and what kind of things that means. So can you explain to us what that is? The doolap.
2: <laughs> doolap.
0: <laughs> in
2: females, that's where she plucks the fur to make her nest. So especially in unfixed females, that's going to be probably a larger area. It doesn't necessarily mean that the rabbit is fat. It's just that's where the extra fur is going to come from, to line that nest and make it, you know, everything all nice and cozy. Um, once the rabbits are fixed, usually that goes down quite a bit, um, but it doesn't necessarily go away. I've had plenty of rabbits that, you know, maintain a, a healthy dew lap, even though they are fixed. It just gives them a little nice pillow to lay on. And then I've had male rabbits that have a nice little thick collar and <laughs> it's his dude lap. Um, And, you know, like I said, he's not, he's not overweight. It's just where he has some excess fur and he's very handsome.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So when do the baby rabbits get old enough that they start eating on their own and not needing to be with mom anymore?
2: Mine started eating pellets at about three weeks on their own not exclusively, they were still nursing, but they did start tasting hay and pellets because we had, you know, everybody together and mom's in there with plenty of hay and pellets on her own. So it was just sort of a communal bowl. But I think we pulled the boys off at about eight weeks uh, because they started acting hormonal and they were eating more pellets and hay than nursing. But I know with my one litter, she nursed for quite a, a long time, but just because she could. Um, there was no reason she was with her her female babies and we've had other bunnies that came in gosh they were rescued at about three weeks and they didn't they didn't have a mom so they were eating hay and pellets right from the get-go and they seem to be doing well they're about eight eight to ten weeks old now so they're doing well
0: okay so really early on compared to yeah. other animals, they start, yeah. they start eating solids like the regular rabbit food. Yeah. Um, what's the, what's the youngest that you would adopt them out or that people should be able to adopt them?
2: Well, we don't adopt anybody who's not fixed. So males have to be at least probably three months old by the time we get them fixed and ready for adoption. And the females are going to be at least
0: six months old. So nobody, nobody younger than that is going out our door. Let's go into some of the common issues that people may find, like problems and diseases with their rabbits. So we've already talked a little bit about problems if they get food that is not proper. Now, another common issue that people need to be aware of is like gut stasis. So can you explain what that is and why that is a problem and what kind of things people can do to monitor and correct it?
1: Yeah, rabbits have very sensitive GI tracts. So probably one of the most common things that a rabbit can get was called GI stasis, gastrointestinal stasis. So you might notice that the rabbit like is not eating as much as, or as like finishing their pellets as fast as they usually do or they're um, like kind of sitting hunched in their litter box when they're not, they don't usually spend time in there. They may look kind of painful. They can actually do a little like teeth grinding to show pain. And if say like you would offer them, you know, their favorite treat when they would normally come running. If you offer that same treat, if they're in GI stasis, they'll just like turn their nose at it and won't, won't do anything. So with that, you can get, you can give like ga- gas tablets that can help just to get their GI tract going again. You can also do like little bunny massages or can put them on like a warm heating pad to help get things going again in their stomach, depending if you have on hand. Sometimes we'll do like IV fluids to help get things going again. But it's it's definitely something you want to be aware of um, because if you if the rabbit is, isn't back on track within you know 12 to 24 hours you definitely want to seek you know medical care because it can become a serious situation with them very quickly cuz it can be then difficult to get their gi tract moving again.
0: One of the things that we are we're really strict about is that when rabbits come in for spay and neuter, we keep them for a while to make sure that they are eating and they are going to the bathroom and that their poop is solid so that we know that everything is moving in the right in the right way and that at least their GI tract is healthy to maintain them before and after surgery. Um, so what other problems, I know that we see some issues with their teeth. So what's the deal with rabbit teeth and why is it? Why does it become a problem? Well,
2: their teeth are constantly growing. So, that, and that's um, why the hay is really important because the hay helps to keep the teeth worn down. Sometimes the teeth are not aligned properly and can grow points which can grind or poke into their soft tissues in their mouths, cause cuts and ulcers on their tongue or their cheek, which in turn makes them not want to eat, which in turn can, you know, GI stasis. So it's sort of everything is, is tied together. Stasis usually doesn't occur just on its own. They're usually a reason. A lot of times it can be teeth. Sometimes we see the the misaligned Front teeth, the malocclusion, those have to be trimmed too if they continue to grow and be misaligned. We've seen that occasionally, but not so much. I mean, it seems to more more be the cheek teeth that are the big issue. Um,
0: That's where they get the abscesses, correct? Yeah,
2: where yeah, because the teeth don't don't meet correctly and don't wear down correctly. And a lot of times, if we get strays in that have had poor diets or just been sort of surviving on whatever they can find. Um, A lot of times if we can get in and get a dental done and get them on a proper diet, usually the diet of the hay and the right pellets will help keep those worn down.
0: So other common problems that we see with rabbits are going to be parasites, both intestinal and external parasites. So first let's talk about intestinal parasites. What are the common intestinal parasites that we find in rabbits? Want to talk about worms, Danielle. <laughs> I think you have to talk about worms. the
1: poop. <laughs> and now you get to talk about the poop worms. Look at that. You you <laughs> have more experience with the worms, Terry. I'll let you handle this one. <laughs> uh, yeah. So um
2: the first thing I noticed was when you look at a litter box, um, everything should generally look pretty uniform from one day to the next. Um you know fecal pellets are usually a nice firm brown round pellet. A lot of times if there's intestinal parasites, their poop will get mushy or misshapen or smell really bad. Um, I had one bunny that was riddled with worms and you could hear his stomach like grumbling from across the room just because there was so much going on inside his gut. A lot of times you don't see the worms, but you'll know something is, is up. So if you do testing the sometimes they'll show up a lot of times we treat just sort of prophylactically because we think that's what's going on but you know they do the test and it comes back inconclusive or you don't actually see the physical worms in the litter sometimes you do sometimes you see a tapeworm those are really interesting
0: kind of in a gross way (laughs) but um yeah worms are fun yeah, and in my experience, like with small bunnies, especially people that go out purchasing bunnies from pet stores, we get a lot of coccidia, mm-hmm. and that will cause the stool to be really mushy, and their the hair around underneath their tail gets really sticky, and you just, you can see that it's not, it's not healthy. So how about the external parasites, both fleas and mites? What kind of things can we expect to hopefully not find, but can find in our bunnies?
1: Yeah, we. Um, so when we catch, you know, stray rabbits, um, you know, um, we can definitely find fleas, um, and even more recently now, we've also been finding ticks on rabbits. Um, you have to be very careful about what you give, anything that you give rabbits, especially medications, because their GI tract cannot handle much at all in terms of any medication, whether it's antibiotics or like flea medication. So we always say the medication should be prescribed by a veterinarian so it has to be like um, revolution. So revolution is safe for rabbits. So you do not want to just go to a pet store and buy any over-the-counter dog, cat, flea medication, because if you would put that on a rabbit, there's a very high probability that you will kill it in a very short period of time. So if you think your rabbit might have fleas or mites or ticks, definitely take it to your um, veterinarian so it can be examined and they can give you, it's a prescription. So they can give you the proper medication, you know, to treat uh, your rabbits.
0: And Revolution for people that have dogs and cats, like there's a new product, the Revolution Plus that is not okay for rabbits. Uh,
1: Right. Yeah. We do not use Revolution Plus on rabbits. No.
0: So I just don't want people to hear Revolution and then think, Uh, Oh, my rabbit has fleas. I, you know we can use revolution there is a difference between puppy kitten revolution regular revolution and then revolution plus they're different products so as they mentioned always check your, with your veterinarian before applying things uh, how about like mites what kind of mites would they can they get
1: it's usually like ear mites. So you can see flaking or like cake, like caking kind of in the ear. So that's, that's indicative of the, of the ear mites, which generally we would treat to with like a revolution. And not every
0: ear problem though, is going to be mites, right? So we have seen some rabbits with ear problems and respiratory problems that can cause head tilts and can cause some pretty serious diseases. So all of those things, you know, as, as well, if you think that your rabbit has an ear problem, don't think or assume immediately that it's just ear mites and go out to the store and buy something and just put it in their ears because they could have something more more significant. One thing that some people don't know is that rabbits can make really loud noises, right? Like they can, I the loudest rabbit that I have ever heard was a one and a half pound dwarf. Oh, screaming yeah. i thought that there was a pig i thought there was a potbelly pig in the lobby and i was in the back and this thing was screaming so loud so how common is it and what kind of things make a bunny scream it's the worst sound ever i think it is the worst sound. i had a rabbit that had nightmares and would scream in his sleep
2: oh wow <laughs> my first rabbit yeah that was that was quite a rude awakening um it was horrifying most of my rabbits are they'll make little off noises um, but I have one right now that is very vocal he likes to squeal he likes to grunt he whimpers if you look at him wrong you don't have to do anything to
0: him he just he just is very dramatic (laughs) and one thing that I know that I should not it should not make me happy but it just makes me smile anytime that they thump or okay. they get angry. So what kind of things will make it? Is it just when they're upset and really angry? Because in my experience, that's what it is. They're mad that they're in the cage and that they're not at home and they just start thumping really loud.
2: Or from being startled or if something isn't right with you know their environment or if they hear a noise that you know is unfamiliar or a smell that's unfamiliar, there are lots of rabbits that don't like the smells of cooking. I have a friend that every time she cooks, one of her rabbits will thump at her so yeah. hopefully she doesn't
0: take it too personally
2: no <laughs> she tells her to get over it and she's not. <laughs> but.
0: for people that that are interested because not every veterinarian is comfortable seeing rabbits so do you guys have resources for individuals on how to be able to find veterinarians that are rabbit friendly
1: yeah Terry, do you want to say <laughs>
2: yeah well on our website we do have a list of veterinarians that we either recommend personally or our close members have recommended. Usually they've gone through some sort of screening process. HRS provides a list of questions that you can ask your veterinarian and you know, guidelines on what kind of responses you should get for people or vets who have seen, or not every vet, every vet who says they see rabbits sees enough rabbits to really have that experience. So we tend to lean towards the vets that we know have a lot of experience and network with other vets and keep up with their education and go to conferences. And we're, we're really lucky in Central Ohio to have a really good veterinary community. We've got several vets that are just top-notch in the country, and not a lot of places are that fortunate. So we count
0: ourselves very lucky. We do have a list of several vets on our website. So what's the what's the website where people can find this information at? That is
2: columbusrabbit.org.
0: And speaking of the website, you guys are having a huge celebration this year. 2023 marks 20 years of the Columbus House Rabbit Society chapter. So what are you guys doing to celebrate?
1: We actually, we had a paint and sip fundraiser earlier this year at one of our local breweries. And then coming up, we have, it's actually, it's Here for the Hops fundraiser and it's at Hills Market in Columbus and it's on May 17th from 6 to 8 p.m. And let's see, we also have a fundraiser with Kendra Scott, the jewelry store at Easton. And that is on, let's see, Saturday, May 13th. We will be at the store at Easton and we'll have one of our foster rabbits with us. His name is Dewey and we will be there from 11 to one o'clock.
0: Excellent. And is there any cool things, swag, like shirts, things like that, that people can, can get to to support you guys,
2: we had a really fun um, 20th anniversary logo design, and we just rolled out our bonfire t-shirt campaign. The link to that is available on our website, and we look forward. I th- think we're going to do some other additional pieces, um, probably through our cafe press store. We're going to have a special ornament made later this this year, and just you know things throughout the year.
0: So we're excited. And people can get a lot of information on your Facebook page. You guys are very active on Facebook, Columbus House Rabbit Society on Facebook. Right. That's that's all really cool, exciting stuff. I'm really excited for you guys. Uh, it's a great resource, even for myself as a veterinarian. I have used the resources that you guys have, and especially with our clients. You know, as you mentioned. It's not just seeing rabbits, it's knowing a lot about rabbits. Me personally, I'm really comfortable spaying and neutering rabbits. I know some of their diseases, but anything else, I'd rather somebody else that has more experience in internal medicine deal with things like that. So great information from, from both of you. I really appreciate that you took the time to be here and educate everybody on rabbits. Is there anything that we forgot to talk about or that you... Want to, to say in closing to our, to our listeners, if somebody wants to, is interested in adopting a rabbit, what, what should they do?
1: So on our website, which is columbusrabbit.org, under the adopt section, we have an adoption application. So you can just fill that out electronically. It'll come to us. And then one of our volunteers will call you, you know, to talk about your application and talk about rabbits. And then we can set up an appointment for you to meet some, some rabbits to possibly adopt
0: excellent and on instagram you guys also post pictures of the rabbits that are for adoption and i love seeing the the rabbits on that so follow them on facebook instagram columbusrabbit.org and thank you again so much for for spending time and to everybody that's listening thank you for listening and thanks for caring thank you thank you dr gonzalez